0: Okay, people, up next it's a two-part podcast for Just For Sport. My first guest is Ed Tapscott, affectionately known as TAP. He has been an NBA coach, a college coach, and worked in the front office and pretty much built the Charlotte Bobcats when they first became a franchise under Bob Johnson. Uh, We talk about... Tap's thoughts and some of my thoughts as well on the pros and cons of the NBA resuming their season, uh, trying to deal with a pandemic and the civil unrest in the country, and also using his experience in college as well, what he sees in the future for the landscape of college basketball and if and when it can return. My second guest is Naveen Hedarachi. He's worked in the NBA, NFL, he's worked with celebrities. He is a physical therapist does a lot with nutrition keeping your body in shape a little bit of yoga meditation on a lighter note we talked to him about you know I don't know about you but over the past three months you know it's been it's been tough to kind of build a routine and and uh, be not just as we all say, staying healthy and, and uh, focusing on our well-being uh, internally, but also externally having to kind of be sequestered and in your own home and not being able to be around people. Well, Naveen helps with that as he talks about some of the things that you should be doing and he is doing to kind of help keep your body in shape and, and keep you sharp mentally as well. Here we go. Just for sport. And two. All right, Tap. thank you very much for giving me some of your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're really busy as the NBA season may be happening. I think we're moving in the right direction, but it seems like it's a little bit of a stop and start because I'd, I'd like to begin with, it seems like players are having a tough time wondering if they should be playing basketball with all that's happening right now in the world, the civil unrest, COVID 19 still being prevalent, the location, being away from family, there's so many things up in the air. What are are your thoughts on where we are with the season restarting?
1: Well, I think everybody theoretically would like to play. But as in most things, the devil's in the details. So when the first proposal of the NBA coming back sometime here in midsummer was put out, I think everybody signed on. Then as you start to dig into you know, the more granular features of what you have to do in a, excuse me, pandemic environment to safely put games on, it adds pause for thought. And of course, then you had uh, obviously the tragic death, George Floyd. And now all of a sudden, we're in an entirely different environment. And so I think all it's, what it's done is really complicated the equation as to how we come back and play, when we come back back and play, and exactly how we come back and play. And it's understandable that people are uh, concerned with other issues at this moment. And so uh, while I'm optimistic, I think there are a lot of details that have to be worked out.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I'm sorry, I should have, I jumped right into it. Didn't you say thank you very much for giving me some of your time and being on Um, here with me? We ha- we have some history, and and I really appreciate you know who doesn't like talking the tap and hearing you know your your wisdom on so many topics, uh, you know from your time at Tufts and AU and getting your law degree and then working with Nick's, the Bobcats, the Wizards. Uh, what? How many meetings are going on right now to kind of help us understand not so much the headlines but the minutia of what goes into trying to put these plans together to protect the players, the employees, you know, everybody involved in this process?
1: I think it's countless meetings. And remember, we're not meeting like we normally meet.
0: Mm -hmm. We're
1: doing it virtually like this. This is a new set of protocols for everybody in terms of having to do almost all of your work remotely, where a lot of your time is spent on logistics of simply trying to get people together on a virtual call. Mm-hmm. So it's an entirely different environment, an entirely different level of workflow. And so I think it's it, too, is complicating the process just a little bit. So their meeting is going on at the NBA level, the Board of Governors level, the operations people. We probably have a larger health group than we've ever had before. Um, The players are meeting, they have a cadre of players who are meeting on separate issues. There are other issue folks who are formed groups to be more focused on uh, social justice and racial injustice. There, as they say, there's a lot going on right now. And Mm -hmm. so um, all these things have to be worked out and put into proper perspective and sort of be weighed as we move forward. So this is a time where there is, I think, intense discussions going on, and the circumstances in today's world demand intense discussion.
0: Mm-hmm. What, is there a side of the fence that you fall on when you hear the players worrying that we shouldn't be playing basketball because of the civil unrest right now, and our focus should be on healing the country and not so much playing a sport, Because then you have the other hand that's like, hey, but if we have the money in our pocket from playing, then we're able to do more for, you know, the general public. And and I mean, even Kendrick Perkins on ESPN went so far to say, hey, at least with Kyrie Irving, hey, if you want to go the Maya Moore route, you can quit right now and focus all of your attention on Black Lives Matter. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if Kyrie's what's going through his mind after maybe hearing that. But what's your thought, if you're working in the front office or a coach, because you've served in both roles, in how you talk to the players about the decision that they should make for African-Americans and what they believe inside they should or should not be doing?
1: I think this is a moment of conscience, Jamoki. I think people should move based upon where their conscience takes them. I would hold no remorse towards anyone who decided that they wanted to change the focus of their life at this moment. These are extreme times, times many of us have never faced. And so I understand why people could say, I just can't focus on playing right now. I have something I think is more important, more germane to what is important to me and my family and my community. So I understand that. So I mean, I think you can make arguments on both sides, uh, very cogent arguments. I think that there are values to be expressed that speak to the idea of being committed to uh, the concept of social justice. But I would remind people that protesting is just the first step. Mm -hmm. Protesting is raising consciousness. It's educating. But we need legislation. We need rethinking. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We need new regulations. We need culture change. So there are other processes above marching and protesting that we need to engage in. So I'm hoping that at some point we'll get to that. And perhaps that is the next step of activity for some of the people who don't feel that they are emotionally able to commit to um, performing on a basketball court and would like to put their energy in that area. Mm -hmm. By the same token, within a democracy, people are free to make choices. And if there are people who want to play and feel that, playing in an NBA season gives them a larger platform because of media. They too can exercise their concern in that way. So we don't have to be monolithic here in terms of saying there's one path for every person. There are multiple paths and people have to choose their paths based upon their values and their conscience. So that's, that's where I come down on it. And I would understand if guys I can't play. Okay. I, I understand. Mm -hmm. And then I also understand the guys say, look, to the same token, I understand the guys who would say, let's play, and let's see if we can't use our platform and galvanizing people's attention and being able to speak to these issues while we play. I don't think there's a right or a wrong. Mm -hmm.
0: Why do you think as a league the NBA has been at the forefront of being able to express what they believe in, the platforms, the messages, whether it's Black Lives Matter or, you know, uh, cancer research or the players also having even more of their own foundations that the, the teams kind of help them promote as well. Hence, you know, John Wall, uh, the 202 campaign that he's working on with Ward 8, things like that. Why do you think the NBA has been at that forefront? Well,
1: I think, take a look at the demographics of the NBA and I think you get a lot of your answer. Uh Despite the fact that we have uh, obviously very talented young men who make wonderful livings at the NBA, uh, they stay connected to their community. They have extended families. Um, Their extended families probably live, live in a variety of circumstances. And those circumstances touch your life. So while you may be living quite well as an NBA player, there's somebody in your circle that you know could be struggling with the variety of social ills that we have in our country today. So it's that touch point that keeps you in, connected to some of the issues that people are struggling with. And there's a natural desire to want to help, even if it's just within the small circle of your family, you are contributing to helping people. And then as you expand outside to people of your community or your city or your region, and you're able to galvanize more people to be supportive, you are also making an impact. And I think it all starts with touch points. Who touches us in our daily lives? Who are we? Where did we come from? Who is the the circle or who are the people in the circle that touch us? And that keeps us grounded and connected. And I think given the, demographics of the NBA, it's no surprise that issues like social justice, um, over-aggressive policing and all those other issues touch the people who populate our league. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, uh, I I guess I also wonder if, uh, you know, the NBA just came out with their report on how they're gonna handle the COVID-19 regulations, who can go where, who has to wear a mask, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Do you think that that maybe until this report came out, you know, I think behind the scenes they were focused on it, but I wonder if you've got the sense that in the public eye, it was maybe almost too focused on the social justice aspect and not so much talking about the fact that there is no cure for this COVID nineteen and multiple players could end up catching it. Um, and we need to be focused Multiple on that. Multiple players already have.
1: Thankfully, yeah. all the outcomes have been positive. But, yes, we understand it's an infectious disease. And, look, man, there are a lot of reasons to play, and there are a lot of reasons not to play. A player came to me and said, I just don't feel safe. I don't feel safe outside of my environment, the environment that I can control. Uh, I would understand that. Um, Because in this circumstance, in a pandemic, we are all partnered. Your health is my health. Mm -hmm. Your respect for protocols, regulations, rules, and proper uh, mitigation of infectious disease impacts me. And my willingness to do the same impacts you and on down the line. So if a player said, I just don't feel safe, I would understand that. That would be a reason for me to understand why he wouldn't play. In the same way, if a player said, I just can't play right now, I want to focus on the social justice issues of this moment at this time that are turbulently sort of roiling within our country, I could understand that. And then in some regards, I would also understand uh, the attitude or the issue related to family separation for a three-month season, completely separated from family and locked into a quarantine. That is not an environment many of us are used to uh, engaging. So there are a lot of different themes that can can sort of deny the possibility of participation. And I Mm -hmm. think we all have to be aware, sympathetic, empathetic, and help
0: people work through
1: where they are and how they're feeling.
0: Putting your coach hat on Uh, do you think that it will be harder or easier to coach players if and when the season does officially restart and you're in that closed environment where it's just you and your team?
1: Well, nobody knows. I mean, when have we ever faced circumstances like this before? When have we ever been to a single campus, played in front of no fans, Mm -hmm. um, asked players to focus and concentrate in this alien environment that we put them in with no family, social justice issues roiling about the country, and constant concern for one's physical health. Never have we ever faced circumstances like that. So I can't say it would be easier. Mm -hmm. Perhaps to some, it would be a relief. It would be diverting from some of the things that plague their day every day. So who knows? What we have to do is try and do so in as reasonable and as safe a fashion as we possibly can and have a series of protocols standing and ready to go in case other circumstances pop up. Mm -hmm. I don't know how anyone would be able to predict how this is gonna go because I don't think anybody has anything remotely like this in their experience.
0: Yeah. And I think with, well, not just your experience, but my experience, I, felt, I feel like when I'm hearing what they're doing, it makes me think of like training camp, where I guess, yeah, your family would come sometimes. And I know three months is a lot different from No, we, we three
1: in training camps, we don't, if we went away from training camps, families don't usually come. Yeah. But this isn't training camp. This is three months of a season. Training yeah. camp is the team bonding, practices, scrimmage games. There's a certain rhythm to training camp we all know. Mm-hmm. We're asking guys to play a portion of the season here. Right, right. One-fifth of the season, whatever the percentage is, 20% of the season or so. But we're asking them to play this portion of the season in unique circumstances, Mm -hmm. none that any of us have ever confronted before. So it's hard to predict how players are going to feel, how coaches are going to feel, what the level of performance is going to be, it's just it's an unknown. So you go forth with caution and with plans and anticipation to respond appropriately if
0: problems occur. Will you plan to be down there with your team? Uh, what what are you how are your preparations going? For me, I'm sort of focused
1: on the process of next year's team. You know, I'm okay. in player personnel area. So. A lot of what I do now does not touch the players, unlike my Wizards tenure, where I was with the players, the current players all the time. Mm -hmm. So, no, I don't think I would be prioritized. Remember, you can only take 37. Yeah. 17 of them would be players.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And the remaining 20 would be coaches, staff, support staff, et cetera. And um, I don't count myself as indispensable to that activity. They can go on without me easily. Um, And we tend to focus also on just the players and the things that they will be confronting. Coaches and staff members are confronting the same things. Mm -hmm. The concern about their health, the concerns about what's going on in the world for them, the concerns about leaving family, So it's not just about the players. Everyone is going to make a sacrifice for the health and the well-being of the game of basketball from an NBA perspective. And it's going to call for you to be willing to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Having said so, we had to make a similar sacrifice a couple of months ago where we shut the country down. Mm -hmm. The entire United States of America, with the exception of certain essential services, sequestered itself. So this is a time of sacrifice, and I think we all better get used to it.
0: Uh, a, a theme over the last month, if I, as I've had people on the podcast, is talking about um, how sports can heal, and yes, this is different, but, you know, I still feel like, you know, not having fans, I think, takes away from the healing, but... Where do you see this being a healing factor for the country, or is it just a distraction because it's a sport? Well, distractions
1: can be healing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a very important part of our life beyond our physical well being, it's our mental well being. Having been sequestered for months on end, people together in their homes, unable to engage in the normal activities that keep them engaged and safe and healthy. Oftentimes to provide them with a distraction, something that they enjoy, is actually promotes their good health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Emotional well-being is a very important part of our overall health. So providing uh, focused activities, you can call them distractions if you like, but providing something that people enjoy, can share, can um, sort of refocus their attention to, oftentimes is very helpful in terms of adding to their mental health. So if possible, if we can do so safely with the concerns of our players, staff, coaches, et cetera, provide communities, cities, the nation with an activity that they can all sort of galvanize around and take joy in, I'd say that we could provide a very, very helpful service to the country, yes. Mm
0: Okay. if I can switch subjects, a little lighter uh, note, I know it's been some weeks since it debuted, but, you know, your career spans the entire career of Michael Jordan. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you if you could share a story, a personal experience that you have with Michael Jordan, uh, but also maybe just your thoughts on The Last Dance. I mean, we're all still talking about it. Some people are be watching it. Putting you know clips online, talking about how great of a documentary it was.
1: Yeah, I have actually a pretty positive story about Michael Jordan, um, and it relates to uh, seeing him in an All-Star game out in San Francisco, out in the Bay Area. Uh, this was a time when I was uh, transitioning from the Knicks into another position, and I was at the All-Star game, and I had my daughter with me, and at the time she may have been seven or eight years old, and we were walking through the lobby. And who did I bump into but MJ. So I said, hello, MJ responded, hey, Tap, how you doing? And my daughter, of course, starts tugging on my pants leg. You know Michael Jordan, you know Michael Jordan. (laughs) And I go, yes, and I said, Michael, would you mind saying, meeting my daughter? She would certainly love to meet you. And so Michael stopped, (laughs) bent over, and said, and your name is? And she said, Logan Tapscott, of course, in her precocious way. And they shook hands. And he said, are you a basketball fan? And she said, yes. And he he asked, of course, and who are you a big fan of? And she said, you. (laughs) And so he said, well, good choice. (laughs) And he shook her hand, kind of patted her on the cheek, and we parted company. My, we go upstairs. My daughter doesn't say a word on the trip upstairs to the room. As we walk into the hotel room, my wife is there, and my daughter puts her hand on her head and goes, Mom, I met Michael Jordan, and she faints. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. It's, it was a play-acting thing, but yeah, it was yeah. very well executed by my daughter. So... <laughs> That was a very, very positive encounter that I had with Michael Jordan. Most of my encounters with Michael Jordan was when I was with the Knicks, and I was left sorely disappointed most times because yeah. the Bulls generally beat the Knicks whenever we wanted to win. <laughs> so the most positive one I could come up with is this story of the, my, my daughter beating <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan and then coming in and swooning in front of my wife. So yeah. uh, that, that's my MJ story. And he was delightful. He was very, very nice to my daughter. And I've always appreciated that.
0: Did you get to see the documentary in its entirety? Oh, yeah.
1: I did. I watched almost all of it, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And you have to remember, there were a few moments in there that were just a painful reliving.
0: Oh, yeah. Things
1: that that I could recall from my days with the Knicks. How many times we went up against MJ and couldn't get past him. So Mm -hmm. uh, some of it was uh, I was sitting there gritting my teeth. Yeah, I had lived through it once before, and here it was being revisited again.
0: And you probably didn't want to have to live through it uh, again, but uh,
1: assure you the outcome didn't change.
0: (laughs) It didn't. It didn't. Uh Is there is when you watch the NBA today, would would you say that that was the best era? I mean, because I feel like it's always an argument, but it's like you had Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon and Bird, Magic, Jordan, Zeke. You know, now when you watch it today, what are the differences that you see in the game and some of the similarities?
1: Well, I mean, first and foremost, the greatest thing about the NBA is the level of competition. Clearly, the greatest athletes in the world, who are the biggest people in the world, who are the most graceful people in the world, who play the game three feet off the floor. So that part of it has not changed. The style of play has changed quite a bit. Um, We've moved to more of a positionless type of game, whereas in that time you played specific positions with with specific attributes that you thought were appropriate for the position. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and while that was certainly a golden era of the NBA, quite honestly, we are now in another golden era of the NBA. And... The NBA and the game of basketball is quite malleable. It adjusts, it grows, it evolves. And so while I enjoyed the competition then, I enjoy the competition now. Uh-huh. And even though the game is quite different, uh, the game is larger, it's more international. So uh, I think I think we're in a wonderful time in the game today. And that was a wonderful time uh, uh-huh back in the 80s and 90s uh, during those battles with the Bulls when I was a New York Nick.
0: Yeah. I feel like I can't believe I'm going to bring up Kendrick Perkins twice, but he even said on a tweet that, you know, he thought LeBron James was like the best athlete of all time, best NBA all-around player of all time, and Bill Russell came right back at him and said, hey, man, I was a high-jump champion, and I gave that up for basketball, so you want to talk about all-around athletes. He said, okay, Touche. Well, I yeah, we I uh, Russell bit.
1: said that. Uh, Will Chamberlain also was the high jump champion at the University of Kansas. Uh, mm. At that time, I think it was the Big Eight. He also ran the quarter mile. Yeah. So there were great athletes in the league throughout its history. So oftentimes, I know it's good cannon fodder for the media to discuss eras. They're all different, but mm. they're all special. And mm. so, and they are all uniquely populated by special people who become our stars and become the driving force of our league. So I'm old enough in my 30 seasons in the NBA to have mm-hmm. seen a lot. And so I just sort of say, hey, I've enjoyed each part of it and each
0: part of the growth and development of the game. hmm And to go down a level, you also coach college at American University. You mm-hmm. practically caused Georgetown to never play AU again.
1: Well, I don't know if I caused that. Well, your you know.
0: team beat them as a coach. You know, it was yeah. like, okay, we yeah. got to stop we playing. Played, we played
1: uh, We played several years after that, and uh, they beat the skates off of us, <laughs> by the way. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, it was a great upset win. It was probably something that happened that's a, one of the pinnacles of my career at the mm-hmm. time. Continues to be, I guess, to this day. But, um, yeah, I mean, we played for another three, four years before – before you schedule, pressure, and all the rest. The Big East became a big part of what Georgetown was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, local games seemed to diminish in terms of importance. So, you know, we changed focus. So I remember we didn't play Georgetown one year when they weren't able to put us on the schedule. And who did we schedule? Uh, Kansas, the year they won the national championship with Danny <laughs> Mann. So somebody was doing a very good job of scheduling, and I think that was me. But, <laughs>
0: How much do you think that should it come to this, that it it's important, you know, for them to find a way to keep the college game going? I mean, because I think that you can't have students on campus if we're worried about, you know, COVID-19, and then to think, well, then that means that includes student athletes. And then do we even have college basketball at that point, or college football for that matter, too?
1: Yeah, I and mean, that's a huge issue. I think part of how successful the NBA does with starting its league will give some form of indication to the college sports and other professional sports as to the steps you take and what missteps to avoid. Um, you know, we tend to think of college sports as being strictly amateur, but remember there are big dollars involved with college sports. Yeah, And I saw a quote from a um, athletic director, I think who's was at Iowa state that said no college football no college athletes, athletics, because college football tends to underwrite all the other sports in terms mm-hmm. of their participation. So if you have no college football, you might very well have no other sports, no wrestling, no volleyball, mm-hmm. no men and women's track and field. None of that will go if football doesn't go. Basketball might be able to go separately if with time the situation regarding the pandemic mitigates a bit. Mm-hmm. Because basketball generates its own revenue, but uh, it would be very uh, art of, would be very different to play just like in the NBA with no crowds in the stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would have to be an interesting set of protocols to keep student athletes safe. Very people don't understand when you're talking about student athletes coming to college. An eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old uh, student athlete is somebody's child. You have a very, very high duty to Mm -hmm. keep them safe as you travel around the country playing basketball games. Mm -hmm. So how do we enforce the protocols of safety um, for college basketball or college football? So that is an enormous task, and it's going to have to be considered by people,
0: obviously, smarter than us. Well, maybe smarter than me, but not you, Tap. Not you, Tapp. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time here on Justice What I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Good to see you, Jamoki. Stay Good safe. To see you, too. We'll do. All right. Bye-bye. Okay.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Now, just one note here. I did record this interview with Naveen before the killing of George Floyd and the civil unrest and protests began. So we do not address that in this podcast with Naveen. I just want to make sure everyone knows that before we start recording just to understand the context of what we talk about and the fact that I don't bring that up with Naveen as we're talking. But let's go forward. Here's another great podcast of Just for Sport here on the Props Network in three, two, one. All right, joining me now is Naveen Hedyarachachi. He currently works as a director of health and wellness and performance for the Washington Wizards. Thank you very much for giving me some of your time. Naveen, how you doing?
2: My brother Jamoke, it's a pleasure. My friend, my longtime friend. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast, and thank you for having me. And I, it's it's my pleasure. Like I'm so excited. You know, I feel like you're
0: one of the the people that are always smiling, always has energy. So I feel like I'm looking in the mirror when I when I see you because everyone always says it about me, and I'm like, Naveen is pretty much just like me. Like always trying to be positive and thinking positive, and you're. The one thing that we're not alike is you are way healthier (laughs) and uh, really working out way more than I am. Uh, So let's maybe start with there, especially with the COVID-19, this pandemic and having to kind of stay inside. What have you been doing to kind of keep yourself healthy and, and active? Because you play sports, basketball, touch rugby, which I don't even understand how you can play touch rugby. Uh, flag football soccer all of this stuff but also in terms of what you're putting into your body you are by far um one of the
2: most disciplined people i know as far as what you eat um very true i try to lock in practice what i preach and jamoke okay, this has been an amazing time to dial it in even more i can't, can't consider my uh, four pillars are uh, sleep nutrition, mindfulness, correct movement. So I would really dial in, like maximize those four things that I could do without anybody else's help that will give me the best um, health, best mindset, best um, auto, best uh, immune system. You know, everyone's like, hey, what can I do to, uh, what pill can I take to get my immune system stronger? I really go back to like, hey, my four pillars: sleep, nutrition, mindfulness, and correct movement. That will help you the become the optimized, the best person that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever we go on forward, we could kind of talk, in you know, a little in depth depth about like really dialing on sleep, like consistent sleep, uh, nutrition. Just dialing on um, organic food, clean food, nothing from packets, uh, homemade. Then being mindful is just really not, um, I probably watched, uh, the four episode of the Jordan last dance mm-hmm. and, uh, that's probably pretty much it for the TV for the last eight weeks that we got locked in. Um, so just being mindful, being present, meditating every morning and then, you know, a uh, moment, everybody wants to go and run 10 miles, but again you got to do the movements that's best for you. You got to do a variety of movement. I almost kind of say like, kind of like what the other ancestors did. You know, they, they jump, ran, swam, crawled. So do all those movements. So we could go more in depth to it. I also like, you know, um, in my website, I wrote some stuff about um my four pillars and write, write, wrote stuff about like what regular people could do. So that's what I've been kind of doing. Okay. Practicing what I have, always preach to people
0: and you know it's interesting because you're the founder of the reddit method um, one of a handful of healthcare professionals that integrates all of these unique expertises in the disciplines and and if you could talk a little bit about the different disciplines but also thinking in the fact that you've been with the wizards any with the mystics for the past 17 years how many of those players especially because you have social distancing are having to try to connect with you over the phone or zoom or whatever to try to help them stay healthy as well
2: um great question jamoke i actually just did a a webinar in um with uh, 11 colleges in india and we had over 550 people registered what? and just like the former players yeah just like the former players, they pretty everyone pretty much had the same questions. Hey, I'm kind of down on myself. I'm depressed. I cannot, you know, socialize, or I'm not sleeping well. I'm having a hard time staying off this pizza, um, or what exercise that I can do. So pretty much the same question. If, if um, so, kind of going back to like, hey, look, you know, let's stop listening to the news. Stop paying attention to the external information. Be within you. Be mindful, be present. I think that's really kind of cut down a lot of the stuff, you know. Then uh, saying, hey, bring the food in, cook it at home, um, don't eat uh, stuff with bad ingredients, um, ingredients that you know. Like everyone want to go to the, the grocery store. Even when you go to the Whole Foods, you get a bag of chips that's 11 different ingredients. If you can't read it and if you can't understand it, then we're putting something in our body, our gut can't understand it. If your gut can't understand it, that means your brain can't understand it. Mm. It's just a cascade of negativity. Um, Then in in moments, I tell them uh, snack, snack exercise. What I mean by snack exercise is Jamoke that, instead of like all of us get stuck on the computer, all of us are working on the computer now, instead of working on your chair, maybe do a standing in the kitchen table, then take it to your living room, do it on the floor. If you can't go outside, squat down and do it outside. Maybe get like a small two. Um, walk up and down stairs. Just constant movement, not that one exercise that you do that one hour or two hours or three hours. What you get big bang for your buck is that constant movement. So when the players, when the former players reach out to me and say, hey, what should I do? Uh, my back is tired. I don't even play basketball right now. My back is tired. I'm like, hey, you've been sitting for so long, so if you want to, do constant movement and easy movement. Like I kind of call it a um, baby, your body do the movements that the baby did when that three months mark, they roll, they crawl, they kneel uh, <laughs> calling. So do those simple movements every hour on the hour for five minutes. And that's going to get you away from your back pain. It's actually get going to get away from the, the, the computer or the TV that you're looking at. That's going to give you that blue light that you might not be able to go to sleep later on in the night. So again, that like those little thing that's going to give you ninety nine hundred percent bank in return and and obviously, you practice what you preach
0: uh, did that discipline come over time uh for you to realize, hey, this is what I need to be healthier because Full disclosure, if you don't mind me bringing it up, it was hilarious when we were going to record this last night. You were like, man, I'm kind of going to bed at nine. I'm like, bed at nine? I'm going to bed at midnight because I'm watching television. I'm like, Naveen, I can't be you. I can't be you. You're just a very different kind of person. So just over the time, how did you learn all of these different things that that's what may are making you the better person
2: that you are mentally and physically? Uh, Jamoke, I um, read a lot. It's mm-hmm. all evidence-based, all literature. So I call quote unquote I call myself the best biohacker in the NBA, best biohacker in the uh, professional sports. What that is is that finding that's the the newest research that's coming out that's not in the mainstream market, and dive deep into it. And I am the number one subject. So I'm big into sleep. So tracking my sleep, my, I, I track my heart rate, I track uh, quality of sleep, my deep sleep, REM sleep. So I used um, tracking devices, I used a couple of tracking devices. So what I try to do is that whatever that I resonate, that I understand, that's easily implemented, I use it for the players. So in order for me to use it with the players, I gotta take care of myself. Like if I, I call it a um, dashboard, right? Our, uh, in our car, your car or your bike, dashboard gonna say, hey, Jamoki, you're low on brake fluid. You're low on back tire. Our dashboard is how we feel. Do I need six cups of coffee in the morning at eight o'clock? Am I getting up early? Am I I having trouble going to sleep? How is my nails? How is my skin? How is my hair? How is my bloating? How do I go to the bathroom? What color is my urine? How is my stool? So those are the dashboard. Um, So you want to always Pay attention to the dashboard, Jamoki, okay, It's not about that I, I want to live longer, like live to 150 years old. It's about the days that I'm living. I want to feel amazing. I want to um, have great energy. I want to have. I want to live without any problem, without living without any medicine. I don't take any medicine. I haven't seen doctors in years. I don't have any pain. So. The reason that I learned these is that I could share with you. I could share with your listeners. I could share with people who go into my website. So that's my, that's my purpose in life that to help people, to show them, look, it's not about the pills that you're taking. It's not about the exercise that you're doing. It's not about going to the chiropractor, osteopath, physical therapist every day. I want to teach you and I want to show you these little things that you could do every day that you're going to feel so amazingly, incredibly well. Not only your body, how you look, but mentally you remember everything. You could do everything that you want. And your website is Naveen, nav is in
0: victor i in health.com nabeenhealth.com um and that's in and, and looking at you it's like when you're dealing with the athletes or anyone cuz obviously you work with celebrities politicians dignitaries you know they see you as an example you know it's so funny because you know I'll watch uh let's just say uh you know, or even basketball, you'll look at, sometimes you'll look at the bench or any sport, really football, and you'll see someone who's a physical therapist or a trainer and they're like way out of shape. It's like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense because how can you tell someone else how to take care of their body and they're supposed to listen to someone who obviously maybe in some ways hasn't taken care of your own body and you got to practice what you preach. Um, Is it hard for for you to kind of get athletes and the celebrities to come around to your side? Does that take a long time for them to understand that you are there to
2: help them? Uh, it definitely, um, it's it's definitely hard. But when they see you that you are there for them and you're there to help them, it's it's all about them. It's all about what can I do to quote unquote, optimize your performance. What can I do to help you stay in the league longer, to feel amazing? Not even in the league, I always tell these guys like, hey, okay, let's say you are fine. You're gonna be in the league for 20 years. Then what happened when you retire? How are you able to play with your grandkids when you're 40, 50 years old? I don't want you to have so many surgeries or so many pain that you're gonna be stuck at your own house. So I want to not only help you right now for the next twenty years, I want to help you in the long term. So this is about you. This is about your long term health. And speaking of that dashboard,
0: um, osteopathic, functional medicine, chiropractic, physical therapy, trigger point needling, acupuncture, athletic training, PRI, strength and conditioning, and cupping. It I just there's so many things that you offer. Um, do you find that the athletes are asking you for everything? I know you tailor what your treatment is needs to be for each player based on what they are asking for or need. But um, it just seems so daunting to to think that, one, you know all of these different areas of expertise. But to be able to give the player everything at once just seems like a lot of information to take in.
2: Jamoke, the how, how it works is that uh, I'm the mechanic. Yeah. And you're the car. You bring it to the car. I'm going to plug you in CA. Hey, today, Jamoki needs some air. He needs his engine tuned up. He needs his brake pan rotated. He needs the tires rotated. He needed a wash. So it's based on what the car needs. You know, sometimes you're going to bring your car. You already had a wash. You already had a brake fluid done. My job is to put some air pressure, check the air pressure view balance. balance. And send you away, you know. So every day is different. Um, the cars that I work with, you know, we could call it racing cars. They race every day, mm-hmm. so I gotta balance it every day in a different way. Everyone's so unique. You know? okay. Everyone needs are like a thumbprint. You know, there's no two different people out that are alike. Um, even if they have the same injury, the personality, how they go about, how they sleep, everything changes. So it's very individualized. So at least don't even know what I'm using, they know that when they get done, they're gonna feel amazing, pain is gone, they could perform at an incredible level. So yeah. that's that's where I'm at, like what we can do based on you. Um, so that's why I have been, in, been around the world and learn all these different techniques. So I could be the one-stop shop that I could help them in anything that they need from the mindfulness to nutrition to, any muscular pain to anything that they need one stop shop bam take care of it, let's move on you know yeah. and and being a one stop shop, you're
0: actually on the bench during the game, you're right there as the players are going up and down the court, although they haven't been able to do that in a while. um What is that like to be so close to the action um and and is there has there ever been a cool moment where a player in the middle of the game, they're just like, thanks, Naveen.
2: Like, I know what you did is helping me today. Um, it's it's so cool, Jamoke. You know that. You have sat next to me on the floor. <laughs> we call it the floor seats. Like, literally, <laughs> my seats are the best seats in the arena. I'm literally sitting on the floor, right? Like, yeah. I have spent so many of those amazing mobile We chit-chat. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, so cool. Um, it's cool because you know, like, that um, you know the backstory of them. Um, few years ago, last game shot Andre Miller. It was the um I forgot who dunked it, but I knew like what we did to get to that point. And I started jumping up and down. Somebody caught me from behind, like a little Twitter post. Like, oh my god, Naveen looks like he's a little kid celebrating. I'm like, <laughs> like now purposely you're so happy for them i'm not happy for myself yes i am happy for myself you're so happy for you them because you knew what the backstory you knew that those that kid had an ankle problem we worked on it he played through it he got it out and you're just so happy and excited so every game there's a little backstory that you're happy for that person that you know if they got their triple-double or whatever. Like, it's just knowing what we know, knowing the inside story that we know, you're, like, so happy for them. That's the best part of it, too. You get to celebrate and enjoy with them.
0: And, you know, it's funny, about celebrating and enjoying it with them, um, because you've, you've, you know, worked with so many different, not just players, but disciplines as far as the sports, you know, NFL, NHL, Olympians, U.S. Women's Soccer, Paralympians, and, and, and then I also think about, you know, the WNBA versus the NBA. Are athletes different? I mean, I know you're talking about everybody has to treat different, but, like, are their bodies different? Every Your entire approach has to be something
2: that is, is – is, you can't just plug and play? Um, you cannot plug and play. But, you again, I think you just go back to that just individual needs. You know, you um, – you, you treat a, a lineman, a WNBA player, and a seven-footer with pretty much the same, it's, it's the techniques, but there's a variation in it, and maybe the, the sequencing, the ordering, the evaluation, their specific needs. So it's just yes, 100% different than how you treat, but it just it's under the same principles and guidelines. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Um,
0: You also play sports and I imagine having to be at home, you haven't been able to play basketball. At least I remember seeing, I mean, you fly up the court. How much do you miss being able to play sports and and be with your colleagues and friends as
2: well? I definitely miss uh, sports, Jamonka, especially the the times that we play with uh, Coach Brooks, Ryan Richmond, Alex McLean, you know, just um, good camaraderie. And as well as, um, you know, when I go outside, just playing soccer or touchdown, where you talk about like cricket, just being out there with humans, connecting, challenging, 100% miss it. Mm -hmm. And and in missing it, like, I imagine you go and you wear the
0: mask and and gloves and things like that. Has that, does your specialty help in understanding this pandemic a little bit more?
2: It does, um, it definitely, one thing that people don't talk about is again the, the four things that we can do to make ourselves bulletproof. You know what we put in our mouth is what we makes us bulletproof. So, okay, I went to safe um, to get some water yesterday. Then um, I saw people's cuts. You know that inflammatory food, the stuff that they eat, the soda, the chips, the candy that is not helping them in any way. That's actually making them weaker. They're stressing their mind. They're stressing their body. So yes, we want to cover. We want to take all these precautions. But do the little things that will give you so much more. That will make you bulletproof mentally and physically. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um,
0: let's talk about your day to day job. Can you walk us through kind of, if this was a regular NBA season, maybe on a game day, what is,
2: what is it like for you? So, um, like I said, my title is Director of Health and Wellness and Performance, and that is um, pretty much anything what the player needs. It's all about get the player to prevent injuries, first of all, um, so we gotta keep them on the court. And then whatever we can do to improve their performance to make them feel feel amazing. So that means it could be that it just changes for that player, kind of like we talked about a day to day. It could be something that that player needs, like hey, I mean, I didn't sleep well. What can we do? Or some be like, hey, you know what, my neck hurts. What can we do? So they kind of come to me and say, you know what, today's a day. Let's work on this. So kind of go through that with the players. Uh, so. You know, sometimes it just could be osteopathic, chiropractic manipulation. It could be strength and training, strength and conditioning training. We take them to the weight room or it could be, you know, they got something going on like athletic training work, taping it, uh, whatnot. So it's just very unique, very different every day. Um, Then, you know, same thing uh, goes to the game, game nights. Uh, game nights are pretty much, um, as you know, everybody kind of had their routine. Everybody kind of n- like a need a specific thing. Like it's just like the car. Like we know that this car constantly wear out the left back tire. So this that player is the same thing. Hey, I constantly uh, feel my left ankle tight. So game night we just kind of do uh, fine tuning, polishing things, uh, things, things at night.
0: Now you're from Sri Lanka, but obviously you live
2: in DC. What's your favorite NBA city to go to? Uh, Jamoke, I would say it's LA because I love sun. Yeah. <laughs> I love the beach and then I love, they have, um, so every NBA city that I go to, I do CrossFit, that's my thing, I get up in the morning, so I go to sleep at nine, all the players know, if they really need something, call my room, not my cell phone, because the phone is off, lights off, at nine o'clock, I go to sleep, then I get up at six, six o'clock in the morning on the road, then I'm in a CrossFit class at seven, Um, so I love CrossFit, not only to challenge physically, but challenge mentally, you know, different city, new environment, Um, so I love uh, LA, that's Couple of different crossfit gyms that I could pick. Pick Uh, then I love the beach. Then also speaking about food, there's amazing um, nutrition stores, very healthy, very clean. Another level from Whole Foods. Um, uh, It's E R E W O N Irwin. Um, I like that. I love the Bulletproof Labs. I love they have Sand Dunes. They have uh, Santa Monica Steps Baldwin Hill. So that's these different workouts, pedal boarding. So LA is by far my favorite place to go to visit
0: um, right. during the season. Now, you don't just work with athletes, but entertainers. I've seen your pictures with Kim Kardashian, Kanye West. How do you pick up clients? Like, is it just kind of word of mouth? You know, do the do the players,
2: are they the ones telling the entertainers, yo, you need Naveed? It's definitely word of the mouth, okay. um Okay, like... You know, Connie came to Washington one time, and he needed something. Then the next time he was in Baltimore, he called it call and say, "Hey, can you come and fix it?" It's uh, it's definitely word of the mouth. It's just been so much fun that I get to help them. It's kind of like um haircut. You know what I mean? Jamoke has a nice haircut. People are like, "Hey, wow, nice haircut! Who's your barber? Tell me about your barber." You know? Yeah. Then yeah. they're like, "Hey, go to this guy." So it's kind of like it's definitely word of the mouth.
0: Are you ever starstruck? or maybe tell me like the most surprising client you've had as long as you can share their name that you would like what me
2: it's um it's never a starstruck because you kind of like when you when you like click your work hat on you just go to work you just kind of forget who it is like um so you're really not starstruck because you know from like from 20 years ago I was kind of thrown into the wool, just thrown into the Redskins like, all right, let's go to work. Then when I was working at the clinic, we got, four, it was right next to the White House. So we got all these people, Washingtonians, the big, big best of the best Washingtonians came to the clinic. So it was just kind of all, always interested, introduced to my life. Always, I was always in a part of it. So it was just kind of second nature. That's cool. It's uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I would be starstruck if if
0: Kanye or Kim- or Kim Kardashian were like, "Hey, can you come and work with me?" Like, but I guess maybe not because I I've been doing it for a while. That it's kind of like what you said. Once you start working,
2: then it's just working. Exactly. um It's like when you put your camera on, you like go to work. You don't even right. Yeah, yeah. Seven. It could be a preseason game. Like you're so locked in, focused. I mean, I've seen your work. um yeah. <laughs> you know, So it's like you do your thing. You do your magic. You know, make I, it amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: I guess yeah. I guess that's true. I I feel like understanding what you're saying a little bit more. Uh, being from Sri Lanka, um, you know, how does what is life like there for you? What was it like growing up there? And when did you come to America? And I know I'm 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 asking like three questions in one, but I'm curious like. How long it took for maybe now you feel like, oh, D.C., yeah, I know what I'm in. I'm just the United States. It's not a
2: foreign country to you anymore. Um, so I came to America in 1991, about 26 years ago, uh, 27 years ago. I was 14 years old. Um, Sri Lanka growing up was uh, tough and challenging. Um, I will say one of my favorite stories that I had one. So we have a uniform. Uh, blue shorts and a white shirt. Um, I just had one pair of blue shorts and a reward. So um, we were in an area that, you know, we had a dry dry season and rainy season. And we were in an area that it would be dry for a while, maybe like 10 days, 14 days. So you won't really shower. You play cricket. You get up in the morning. You find some water to quote-unquote brush your teeth and you go to class. Um, mm-hmm. It was... It was challenging to grow up because we really didn't have much, but that's what made me who I am. That's what made me uh, humble and appreciative of everything that I have. So that's why America is, is is the top of the world. Like America, I'm so grateful every day. Just I do, um, I I do, um. I'd say to my wife what I'm grateful for every day. And we just talk about how much we are so lucky and blessed to be in this country to have everything that we have. You know, we could just literally walk down the street and get anything that we We have in Sri Lanka. It's not that easy. Um, It's overpopulated. It's a very challenging. It's a great country to go and visit. I love it. But it's a very challenging country um, to to live. If I was there, I probably... Um, when I was there, we had a civil war, mm. i probably went to the army. Uh, that was kind of like the only job that I could have gotten. It's very challenging to go to college even in Sri Lanka. I would have I wouldn't even thought, wouldn't have have imagined going to college because you could, you only get the one percentage top of the top percentage to go to, um, school in Sri Lanka. So going to college would have been like absolute for me. Um, so I'm so grateful to be in this country, so grateful to have what I have and just really enjoying myself every day. So that's why I want to constantly pay it forward and help others. It's it's nothing about me, Jamok. It's always about, okay, how can I help today? Who can I help today? And that's my thing. Like, how many people did I help? Like, I literally want to help billion people, a billion people in this world to feel amazing. Mm
0: -hmm. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why you started your own business is to, you know, which which I'm like, man, you got you got I guess you kind of feel like you have time now. But before that, you're juggling a lot if you're working with an NBA team and you have your own clients as well. Uh, What is what has that process been like for you to kind of get your own business started. And as you mentioned about, you know, coming from Sri Lanka every day, you're grateful for where you are. So I imagine it's just a part of, Hey, it's just a part of life now.
2: Yeah, this is definitely part of life now. So this time actually given me some time to like really lock in and working on working on my business, put some stuff uh, written on the paper, um, read more about technology, read more about science, read more about how I could help people, talk to them, just kind of get myself out there, just like the webinar that I had uh, with Indian universities. I'm doing another webinar, um, Facebook Live with uh, India NBA. I'm in the process of doing some stuff with uh, Sri Lanka, process of doing some stuff with maybe in Philippines. So just just getting myself out there. Before Jamoka, you remember back in the days, uh, you were like, Naveen, let's do an interview Naveen. I'm like, no, Jamoke, I'm sorry. I'm shy. <laughs> yeah, <I said> yeah. <laughs> so many times, Jamoke, I just crazy that. I'm here talking to you. You know, now it's about like, look, I really want to help not millions, billions of people. Like I want to show them the little things that they can do to take care of themselves, to up level their health, you know? So um, I definitely want to pay for it because being in the sports Sports industry for the last 20 years i have gotten all the technology all the tools all the science now is the time to pay it forward and help billions of people Mm -hmm.
0: that's pretty cool Navin. um now i I guess everyone in 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 some way or another is a betting person right you're betting on yourself uh you you invest or or put your money on the table so to speak to uh say hey this is what i want to put in my body when do you see sports coming back or us getting back to some sense of normalcy or Will we just not be there? This will become in some ways a new norm for the unforeseeable future
2: Um, I think we'll come back. We'll definitely come back because um sports uh, sports is a part of um, p- part of people's um, not livelihood. It'll just make them feel so much better just just going out there and playing and watching something on tv or live it, it just makes you feel healthier so in our life it's all about feeling good feeling healthy so it'll definitely come you know there's a there's so much money involved um so many people's jobs involved it'll definitely come back jim okay okay i don't know when but it'll definitely be back yeah thank you Naveen. i really appreciate it it's been awesome Thank you, Jamoke. It's, it's amazing. I appreciate you so much. You've always been so kind, so loving, so caring. <laughs> um, I remember one of my favorite times with you was um, in South Carolina preseason. We took a walk on the beach after yeah. shooting Yeah. Uh, i there in the morning and you asked me what I did. Then you came. I think this might be like 2015, 16. I feel like that
0: was Bradley Beal's like second season. Had to be. Yeah, yeah, it's around,
2: man. Yeah, yeah. Like you just so great to me. You're just an amazing man. So (laughs) anything that I could do to help, anything, and I really appreciate you sharing um having me on to share my message that knowing people, look, it's not about the surgeries, it's not about the doctors, it's not about the pill. We could we have all the tools within us, you know. We could do it. Take care what you can take care of. Life is gonna be ninety-nine point nine percent amazing. <laughs> Thanks, <amazing>. Love. <laughs> thank you, brother.
0: All right, I wanna thank Ed Tap Scott, known as Tap. And Naveen Arachichi for joining me on Just for Sport. Really appreciate it. So it's a props network. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, Of course, you can listen to our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to. uh, Please share it and leave a review. I really appreciate it. Ciao for now.